Oh, okay. <laughs> You're listening, listening to Hold That Thought. From Arts and Sciences at Washington University in St. Louis. Thanks for listening to Hold That Thought. I'm your host, Rebecca King, and today we're talking to author Sean B. Carroll, an evolutionary biologist and alumnus of Washington University in St. Louis. Dr. Carroll has written several books, including Remarkable Creatures and The Making of the Fittest. However, his latest book, a biography titled Brave Genius, a scientist, a philosopher, and their daring adventures, from the French Resistance to the Nobel Prize, took him into some uncharted territory. I'm a working biologist, largely focused on evolutionary biology, but that's taken me through lots of terrain, including genetics, molecular genetics. And Jacques Monod is one of the pioneers in the world of molecular genetics. Jacques Monod was a French biologist who won a Nobel Prize in Physiology or Medicine in 1965, along with two of his colleagues, for their discoveries concerning genetic control of enzyme and virus synthesis. I had always been interested in his work because it was very elegant and seminal work. And he was one of the first to figure out sort of the logic of how genes are turned on and off, and that's really important in biology. But I read somewhere that he was friends with Albert Camus. One line. Yep, that's right. Philosopher, author, and fellow French Nobel Prize recipient, Albert Camus. And in a Camus biography, I read one line that he knew Jacques Monod. That just sat in my brain for a long time. Then when I looked at Monod's seminal book called Chance and Necessity, which has been widely read across the world by philosophers and theologians and scientists, the first two paragraphs are from Camus' Myth of Sisyphus. And I thought, I think Camus had a big influence on how Monod saw the world. And I wanted to know, was that from personal contact or was that a literature reference? And so I decided that if I could uncover a relationship there, there might be a story. So, after finding a couple tiny references, Dr. Carroll decided to dig deeper into the lives of these two remarkable men, which led him straight into the heart of World War II and the French Resistance. I started digging, and I learned of a letter from Camus de Monod, but that letter, which I got a copy of, was clearly a response to a letter from Monod to Camus, and I was able to track that letter down in some archives in France. And then I was started asking people who had been in Monod's lab, did they ever see or meet Camus? And I found someone right away who'd been to dinner with both Monod and Camus and talked about their relationship. So it grows sort of droplet by droplet by droplet until I finally felt that I had enough evidence that, yeah, this was a significant friendship. But I, that turned out to be probably 10% of the evidence that would eventually unfold in the course of researching the book. As he dug deeper, even Dr. Carroll was surprised by some of what he uncovered. I made the decision to dig into this story before I knew some really big chapters, enormous chapters in the story, namely the depth and scope of Monod's participation in the Resistance. I suspected that his activity in the Resistance really shaped his worldview, 
It did. It did as well for Camus. And that was some bond they had in common when they met after the war. Just like two American GIs who might meet, and from such intense ex experiences, there's such a bond. And generally, members of the resistance in France sort of have that kind of unspoken bond. And so I was figuring out all the parts of their past experiences that might give them something deep in common. They didn't come from similar family backgrounds at all. Camus was born to a poor family in Algeria, Minot from a relatively prosperous family in the south of France. So these two folks wouldn't have gone to the same schools. Their bond was a deep commitment to human liberty. And I think there were certain aspects of their personalities that they had in common. They were both rebels. They were both bold. They were both risk takers. So what was the biggest challenge for Dr. Carroll as he began to gather evidence for this friendship? Well, as in the case in many historical projects, the biggest challenge was time. The two main characters are long dead, so I couldn't interview them. And some of their key associates are long gone, or even more recently gone. So I think when you're trying to find out things that happened, especially say 70, 75 years ago, finding eyewitnesses was a major goal. Finding documentation is another objective. For my own challenges, my French was 35 years rusty, so I couldn't rifle through documents with the speed of a native French speaker. I needed some help on that. I did get help from one of the French scientists working in my lab, Eloise Dufour. She was twice on research trips with me in Paris and invaluable in, in a couple of ways. First of all, to really help the research process when we'd have a conference room full of boxes of documents and we had to figure out what was worth scanning and what was not in a hurry. And the second thing was, how do you ask a very distinguished 90-year-old French lady to tell you stories that would upset her? And Eloise knew her way around that. However, Dr. Carroll discovered that finding some information or making a few contacts ended up having a kind of snowball effect. It's a momentum thing where the more you learn, the more you're in the position to learn yet more. And in some cases, people who sort of checked me out, I think, vetted me to others. And so I got access and more trust and more information. And then, remarkably, people did a fair amount of work to help me out. Olivier Minot, who's one of Jacques Minot's two sons, dug into family documents and found things he had no idea that existed. So he was happy to discover those things. Then it was a question of, well, if they were, say, letters between his parents, should he share them with this American, you know, because the, those were letters that the parents never expected to have exposed to the world. So this is new terrain for me, as mostly I tell science stories. I wasn't dealing with letters between couples or dangerous adventures that were sort of upsetting in hindsight. One woman in particular ended up leading Dr. Carroll closer than he had ever hoped to get to the everyday lives of Minot, Camus, and the fighters of the French Resistance. From a previous book by Horace Freeland Judson called The Eighth Day of Creation, I knew about Jean-Vievre Nouflar, and I thought, this is 30 plus years later, is Jean-Vievre Nouflar still around? And I used another one of my French contacts who tracked down Jean-Vievre Nouflar in Paris, and she offered up this memoir that she had written at the end of World War II, but never published, about her experiences in the Resistance with Jacques Monod as her boss. When I got that manuscript, which was maybe 140 pages, I dropped everything and read that. And it was gold. 
it gives a detail of what was daily life like in the resistance. What, what did you do if you were a member of the French resistance? And what were your worries, which were extensive? How did you communicate with other resistance members? So all those details are in there, which is great for storytelling because I could say, well, he was in the French resistance. Well, that's a lot different from saying, well, if he needed to make several thousand copies of a pamphlet, he had to sneak into an office building, put rubber stoppers on the bottom of the copying machine, drag it out to an interior hallway so he couldn't be seen from the street below, run off lots of those copies, throw them in a suitcase, and sneak out the back by dawn, which is a more interesting line, right? So learning all those sorts of things from Jean Viev again, gave me a richness of material to tell the stories of what they're up to. And in Jean Viev's memoir, she's dealing with the leaders of the resistance in Paris. She's in the deepest level of trust in the organization. She's out on the street and reporting what's the atmosphere like day after day to the point, spoiler alert, when they take over the Ministry of War, she sleeps in Napoleon's mother's bedroom and is only displaced later that day by Charles de Gaulle when he arrives in France. So she was right there on the scene. Though Dr. Carroll was able to discover some amazing sources in the course of his research and was able to map out for the first time, the friendship between these two men. He also discovered that some of the most popular stories we tell about the past are, well, fiction. My appreciation has only grown that lots of accounts out there of things are not right. And what happens is those accounts get repeated, and the more you see them repeated, you think, oh, that must be the way it is, right? I've seen the same account of something 30 times. But it just turns out that people repeat the accounts that appeal to them narratively. It's sort of a rule I know about in science, but I maybe didn't know about it so much in biographical writing, is sources, sources, sources. Take a day in the middle of the collapse of France. There would be lots of perspectives on what was going on. Well, of course, lots of accounts have been written, right? These were high-stakes sort of things. So I had to read lots of different sources to get my take on what was the most probable way things happened and look for consistency among different perspectives. It would have been very easy, but really dangerous to rely on relatively few sources. There was one story in particular that Dr. Carroll heard repeated in a certain way, but when he began to dig deeper into that story, he found that the events unfolded quite differently than he had been led to believe. I had read in a French biography of Minot that he had been interrogated by the Gestapo. But why or how was unclear. And it happened very early in the, in the occupation of Paris. And when I read about a certain episode, I found a couple sources that told the story a certain way. But I was looking for some French sources, and there had been some scholarship done fairly recently in France. And while that scholarship didn't reveal the exact details, I could see that there was more to the story than what I had read in other sources, that the other sources I had read had kind of repeated each other, and they were definitely not right. But the best way to sort it out was to go find the files in the Paris police archives that would tell the story. It took about three months, as I remember, to line that up for my next visit to Paris, let alone get to the archives and have somebody put a rumpled brown folder down in front of you and open that folder and to see 20 pages that were gonna tell me the whole story as it happened transcribed by the police investigator. So I found in plenty of books passages that are sort of almost fiction. That's not the way things happened. And I allege they're not the way things happened because I can find firsthand accounts in archives of 
some more official histories. So it gave me a lot of caution about how stories are told in the world. And it turns out in lots of sort of legends and science, the discovery of penicillin, the discovery of antiseptic surgery, the germ theory, there's myths all over the place. Because it was just a case that, you know, these people were sort of elevated to these heroic, you know, either by biographers or by themselves or by journalists. And it was sort of like, never mind the detail. We're just going to create this mythology around somebody because it's great copy. Many thanks to Sean Carroll for meeting with us. And thanks to you for tuning in. If you're interested in reading more about this story between Minot and Camus, check out Dr. Carroll's book, Brave Genius, a scientist, a philosopher, and their daring adventures from the French resistance to the Nobel Prize. As always, you can find Hold That Thought at holdthatthought.wustl.edu. That's holdthatthought.wustl.edu. Have thoughts of your own after today's episode? Find us on Facebook or Twitter and join the conversation.